This is the Progression Project Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen. What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Today's guest on the show, it's a double, two for one. We've got Simeon and Kahi. So the two Voyagers, maybe even another Instagram page in there. All the rumors are foiled again in Kahi. Never been confirmed, but alluded to on the show here before when Kahi was on. Maybe, I don't know. They're on the show and they hit me up. Wanted to come on to make an announcement. I was honored that they wanted to do it here. Super stoked with what they have to say. I think it's going to be amazing. And it was great to pick their brains on downwinding for another hour. And just love catching up with these guys, two legends of the sport. I just got back from an amazing trip to Central America. Just did a week. Tested more gear in the last week than I probably have in the last year. And I'm still processing everything that I felt. But I have to say, I love testing stuff. And I just, I love two things about it. One, actually there's a few things about it. I'm going to be short here today, but we'll talk about this a lot over the next few weeks with designers coming on the show and everything that I'm trying to queue up right now for the podcast. But number one, foiling has come a long way. You know, right now, I feel like the majority of gear coming out is really high quality gear. And that's awesome. It's a great place for us to be. And I feel like now we're starting to get to the place where since most of the gear is really good, it's about the feel. You can kind of pick gear based on what you're looking for in feel. Do you like a front-footed feel? Do you like a back-footed feel? How you like the turn to feel? And then what you're optimizing for too. There's certain brands that are accelerating, excelling in the surf. There's certain brands that are excelling in downwind. And where do you want to optimize your foiling? And so that's incredibly exciting. And then the uh, the last thing I'm going to say about it real short right now before we dive in is I've always said it, gear teaches you. And for the last year and a half now, I have been hyper-focused on trying to make the progression line of foils the best that I could possibly make them. And so I was playing in a very small margin of tuning and but really all around a very similar feel. I know the way that I like foils to feel. And we'd get pretty close on one proto and then it's about refining that, getting it closer on the tails. Something didn't feel right. It's not like I'm trying to work through it to make it feel right necessarily. I'm I'm looking to get the next proto going that's going to feel closer and, and then so I can start working on those last three, five percent of gains. And riding different gear is a completely different process for me, riding other brands, different feels, because you have to go back to being very open-minded to where the foil excels and then changing your foiling, augmenting your own technique to exploit that foil to the highest, to your highest ability. And so that's great for my foiling. And it's something that I feel like I'm incredibly proud of what we've been able to do with the progression stuff. But at the same time, I feel like it's hurt my foiling a little bit because of the way that I learn and 
what I'm spending the majority of my time doing, which is not necessarily going out there on most days and trying to progress in, in little areas of foiling. It's been more about going out and figuring out what I can do to help gear progress. And being on something that frees me completely to a different feel, frees me from, from having anything production-wise tied to a session, allows me just to experiment a lot more. And then in certain areas where, where some gear surfs a lot differently, having to figure out how to interpret that and then work within those confines. And, and so actually, I feel like in the last two weeks, I've learned more than I have in a long time as far as technique goes and some little nuanced things about foiling. And so I, I'm incredibly foil brand right now and very excited, very excited about just spending time in the water and then also just excited for our sport just because everyone's working really hard to grow this sport. And a big part of that is the actual gear growing for us, which allows watermen to be more expressive. I look at foiling kind of as like self-expression on water. And there's only so much you can do with confines of gear. If you look back a few years ago, you're, you're not doing any of the, the turns necessarily that we're able to do now. And <clears throat> as gear is getting better, it's getting more efficient, you can become more expressive on water. And I love that. One more note, this podcast is brought to you by the Cala Luna Hotel in Costa Rica. We had two bonus days while we were down there, we had a plane situation happen, had to come back to the airport in Liberia. I will tell that story at some point, the full one, but a scary situation. And I hit up some friends, Ricky and Fede, and they put us up at Kalaluna. They ride unifoils, which was super awesome too. And Ricky just took us under his wing and showed us around their whole area, Langosta and Costa Rica, epic foil setup and couldn't couldn't be more stoked on them and that's my favorite hotel in costa rica we used to make trips when we lived in nosara we used to make trips up there just to hang out and i actually met i met the, their family we were on a boat trip together that sunny garcia was on it's got to be 15 years ago at this point and just a just a rad family and a rad boutique hotel and just couldn't be more grateful so check out Cala Luna if you guys are thinking about going to central america that is an epic place to stay be rad to take your family, your wife down there too, or, or husband. And yeah, so thank you guys so much for all the hospitality while I was down and let's go. All right. Simeon Kahi, what's going on guys? Morning. How are you? I'm stoked. Stoked to have you get both on the show. This is cool. I know it's, it's pretty exciting for us to be on a podcast together. It's definitely a first for us. And yeah, this is a unique one where you guys hit me up a couple days ago and said you guys want to come on the show together, which I thought was awesome. So stoked to do it. Yeah, we've been more or less like in this sport, evolving along with it. And just during this, like all the trials and tribulations that we've been through from, from learning to prone to to learning to downwind to, to learn to wing to learn to sup downwind every single time we do it it's it's at the very forefront of it and we've had to experience the trials and tribulations and the pains and the mental struggles and 
and now we, we watch people come up and uh, we're like, wow, they sure have a lot, lot easier. <laughs> like the gear is better that there's actually like YouTube to tutorials, etc. And we realized what was missing was from our standpoint where we live, an opportunity for people to come together and talk about, have a actual camp where we, we discuss these types of things. We, we bring the community together and we provide that knowledge that, that we've gained over the years to fast forward people's learnings as we, as they want to take on the downwinding journey. So we're, we're launching the very first Voyager foiler camp. I think it's brilliant. So cool. He's Where are you guys recording today? Are you guys at the station? Yeah, he's on break. We're at the station. We're just we're doing. A, he's he's on break, so we we figured we could knock this out really quickly. We'll give you as much time as we can. But if if there is an emergency, Simeon will be taken away. <laughs> Going to save a life. <laughs> it's so awesome, man. On a completely separate note, my daughter Kemper has. She's an ocean rescue here. She actually just got ocean rookie of the year for for oh, ocean rescue. Oh, she's so stoked, but she loves it, man. It's like she's found her people. And it's hilarious because my whole life I've been trying to kind of get her into the surf thing. It's never really been her thing, but she's such a water woman that it's finally come out. Like she tried to not go, not the follow dad route this whole time because she's so independent. And now all of a sudden she's found a, a way to be in the water that's on her own. And she's just frothing. It's the coolest thing ever, man. That's got to make you so proud. Like Now, Simeon and I both have kids, and, and all we want to do is get them to be in the water, but it, we know you can't really force that. Yeah. I don't know if I should have been mad or or stoked the other day, three, four weeks ago, and I'm sitting up here working, and I heard something happen downstairs, so I like yelled down, and, and my wife, Sarah, goes, yeah, Kemper just went out surfing. It's a school day, mind you. He's like, Kemper just went out surfing. And so she had skipped school to come home because the waves were good to go <laughs> surf. And so I was like, actually kind of stoked about that. But I was like really pissed that she didn't invite me to go out with her. <laughs> <laughs> she thought she would probably get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh, That's funny. So, um, um, I, I'd love for you to come out to our, our camp. It's going to be in June of, of this summer. We, we, Simeon's more or less been the, the godfather here of the whole downwinding story so i i want him to kind of like tell his side of side of the the progression of where we're at of getting to the point of actually launching a camp yeah it's funny it's been fun over the years because i feel like i've been doing like a non-stop non-stop camp but just with all my friends it, it's it's funny earlier kahi was saying it's like there's no better time to get into the sport of foiling and downwinding. Everyone has great boards. The wings are better. We have knowledge. If there's anything you can learn or if there's anyone you want to listen to, it's the crop of guys who's went out on five sixes or six O's <laughs> on downwind boards. And because we really had to go pretty much to the deepest doldrums of just pain and struggle. And just selling the hope and dreams of downwinding to your buddy. And yeah, well, I have a 6-0. Maybe look at this 6-4 is going to be better. And it's just, and just here we are now. And I feel like we got it all dialed. It's a little bit more streamlined. We have a way better understanding. 
and just with a bunch of the friends that we've recruited over the years and just seeing how you can help them and how it's how that learning curve has gotten quicker and you seeing a higher success rate and it's it's awesome like I, for me that's just like enough satisfaction and just it, and gratification for me is just looking and growing the sport and Kai and I we've we've talked about it or just just real in a brainstorm just conversation we should do caps I was like yeah, yeah that would be, that would be cool and then Kai got real fired up maybe like a month ago and I was like you know what I'm down <laughs> and uh, for me I'm excited to just share knowledge and and meet me new people continue to stoke spread the stoke and just kind of share what we've learned over the years and see how we can continue helping people because for me it's been cool to see and and i always say this too is like in was it last last year's maui to molokai only one year ago here in hawaii we had seven sup racers and that was between oahu and maui and it was uh, i think it was me jack eric sturman kane who else was in it? Maybe a Maybe Shep. The Shep. Shep was off island. Mm. Annie Star. Yeah. And one Australia, Julian Bradley. But it was it, it it was cool because that was that was all we had last year last year, right? And then in one year's time, we look back at how much people have gotten into the sport. And this year's Maui to Molokai had fifty people. Wow. So. It's and I could see next year's Maui to Molokai just just growing and exploding and maybe being one of the biggest races in the world. But it's it's exciting because it's it's something where you you take some time like um it takes some time for gear to get better. It takes some time for people to get better and express and share like you know what we're learning and what's new and what our new sensations and how we're growing. But I can just see this camp being just something super fun and just a way to just explode the sport, explode the stoke and just bring, bring a new passion into a lot of people's ocean, ocean lifestyle. Yeah, no, I see it completely. And when I think about what you guys are doing, I don't even know if it's necessarily for folks who are just getting into downwinding. It's probably for folks like me who live on a different coastline and I'd love to go out there for a week or somebody here in our area who's already good at it, go out there for a week and you're getting that local knowledge. And it's more like a guided downwind trip almost in some ways where you're going to be on the best run of the day and you're not going to make mistakes like getting in and out and ruining your gear. No, it sounds insane. Well, we're, we're, we're going to be based right in the middle of, of the best downwind run on our island. Um, arguably one of the best in the top three of the state of Hawaii that's that's known so far. And that's the HK run, the Mauna Lua Bay run from China Walls to Kaimana Beach. And we get bumps that are straight down the line, are out to sea, are side shore. So the variability that you're going to get exposed to will get you ready for anywhere you you have to to go in the world the, the beginning of the run at Bonalua Bay is is known as one of the most difficult places to pop up because of the backwash etc so with the with the assistance of our of our crew with the, with assistance of our our safety teams etc like 
we get to expedite somebody's experience from two months of pain to maybe two days of pain. Right. So <laughs> it's anybody that can foil, look, Mark Zuckerberg is downwind foiling, right? You're gonna have Mark hit us up. You're gonna have you're gonna have guys that that can barely foil be downwinders by the end of this week. And our goal is to just build this 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 like diaspora of, of foilers around the world to get deeper into the ocean or deeper into lakes or, or rivers, etc. There's so the, the the frontier is wide open and uh, we're just scratching the surface. And our goal is to make that that journey that much easier because nobody should have to struggle the way that we struggled. I, I hope nobody ever has to do that what again. Was your, what was your board? Your RJ board? Your first yeah, board? my first board was, we called it the bar of soap. It was, it was a 511. <laughs> I dialed bar soap. Oh my God. <laughs> but Jack could pop it up. That jerk, like oh, he, he would just popped out. He'd be like, what's, what's wrong? This is so easy. I'm like, bro, you're 16 freaking years old. Yeah. <laughs> so that's like, I've been working with Jack for the last year with F1. And it's funny because... I mean, this isn't a disrespect to Jack or F1, but it's like, they're always asking him for R&D because he's such a great rider. But I'm like, in the back of my head, I'm thinking like, dude, Jack is a 16-year-old, I mean, he's 18 now, but he's an 18-year-old phenom, just freak of nature. He's not the best guy to ask, like, what's working, what's not working, because he makes everything work. Yeah. It's, it, it, yeah. He, he's funny. And that leads us to the, the fact that, like, we're going to be bringing that type of caliber knowledge and talent to our camps, right? So... Yeah, we want to have the Jack. We're gonna have. We want to have Kane. We want to have Andrew, Edo. You got Simeon. I'm not gonna be instructing. I'm. I'm the. <laughs> I'm the uncle that's in the back, just watching these guys all the time. I can do it. I'm not great at it, but maybe, maybe for the for the guys that are are like me, I can help them feel comfortable <laughs> and make some but great our, memes our, of the footage later. Yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> that's like a premium package. That's, that's yeah. great. You want, if you want to be on the good side of the memes, you just send me a, a, a small little donation. <laughs> but yeah, no, I like I like what you said, Eric, about how because we're thinking about it, and there's we we realize this is going to be just like a variety of skill level for people, whether they be brand new beginners or people someone who can downwind already. And like like you said, you're from Florida, and it's just a different kind of bump i was just over in france and it was crazy i i learned so much when i was uh foiling in france and and downwinding down there it's just a totally different bump I, i'm uh normally used to obviously foiling in the open ocean where we have these long periods uh, wind generated swells and it's just moving so much faster it has way more trough and so it, it's it's definitely there's definitely be some value in having fun and foiling different waters. E even if you already can downwind foil, the, the learning never stops. And wherever you go, who, whoever you foil with, whatever kind of different gear combos you try, there's always something to learn. And, and to me, that's been the funnest thing for me, especially this past year and in racing and just having just access to different gear combinations and fuse lengths. I remember when I would listen to your uh, podcast in the early days, all your, your gear tuning stuff was just way over my head. But I, like, I found like a new appreciation for all that kind of stuff. Now, like I'm like sanding my wings now because it's the thing to do <laughs> or 
I'm shimming my tail or guys are shimming their mass plates. And it's just now I like once you, you know, gone through the whole buffet and and now you come back and you can kind of repeat appreciate everything in it now and it's there's there's just so much to it but there's still so much to learn and i'm stoked about that and i think that's a great opportunity for like you said anyone from a beginner to someone who's already advanced and that's the beauty like every day it's a package of info that we're going to be delivering day one we're talking about turning the chaos of bumps into a, a navigable pattern of really learning to read bumps when we'll have days on safety we'll have days on on like our recovery we 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 have ice baths massage saunas hot tubs so it's it i i think we don't want to take up the whole podcast talking about this because there's so much more to talk about and we don't want to sound like an infomercial we're just super grateful for you for giving us the opportunity to talk about it but if people want to learn more we're going to be launch it by the time this goes on the air it'll be launched but if you want to sign up we just go to go to the website that's voyagerfoiler.com also on instagram at voyager underscore foiler that's where we'll be we'll be answering questions that's where we'll be where you'll be able to reserve your spot we've got early bird pricing that goes to february 15th and it's going to be all of june in honolulu hawaii so you think about the cost right like when you want to stay at a hotel here in Hawaii, the cheapest room you can get is about 350 bucks a night. So when you look at that for the cost of the camp, man, you've almost already paid for it just from a lodging standpoint. So it's a great opportunity. It's a great deal. And it's an opportunity to learn from some of the best foilers in the world. And you get to leave Hawaii being a drastically better foiler, a drastically better downwind foiler specifically. Yeah. Um, do you guys have plans? Uh, oh, Go ahead, Sam. Oh, I was just—I was just going to add. I think it's cool because you know we see on Instagram people who foil in remote places around the world, and it's just them. And you're like, "Wow, this guy's a maniac! He's sending downwind runs solo in San Francisco or just North New Jersey, New Jersey, right?" But I think what's what's cool and unique about the crew that we have here in Oahu is that we have 12, 15, 20, 30. 30 guys deep and and we're all passionate about the same thing but what's cool is it's you can learn so much and you can grow so much when the community is like thriving yeah versus if you have if you're just by yourself if you're just by yourself like you're a hammer but then there's no one nobody giving you feedback feedback and there's no one pushing you there's no challenge and there's there's no getting out of your comfort zone checking out what they're riding, how they're, how they're riding, their style, what works for them. And although we did learn a lot in the, those early days from riding our 6.0s and stuff, but it's cool because I can get a little nugget from somebody who just started or maybe they're, they're, have, they're on a different path, but it, it's just cool because everyone has, I feel like everyone has a cool, unique little insight that maybe you haven't heard before or maybe it's speaking to you loudly and that's what's cool i think i think i think the way that we're going to put it on is we're going to have lots of instructors and yeah it's, it's going to be cool to just and content like we're, we're going to have yeah. some of the best guys filming and be able to review the footage every right. day and yeah i'm just really excited so yeah yeah can't wait that's epic no i agree with everything you guys just said right there for us we learned to downwind basically pedigo and i together and it was just the two of us. There was no one out in front that we could learn from. 
And so we could glimpse what we could from Instagram or YouTube or through nuggets on the podcast, but you're really just figuring it out until you see it live. And I feel like we did a pretty good job learning, but then going out to Hood River and getting to watch the Josh Coos and Canes and guys who have spent a lot more time downwinding and not in their tiny little echo chamber, we both came away with, I don't know, four or five just really simple things that made things so much easier for us that I wish I would have had those nuggets a year ago because I would be <laughs> that much better. And I mean, I think that's what a camp does. Like I used to run a camp for subsurfing in Costa Rica and my goal was to just plant seeds for things that maybe were applicable to that person like at the moment or that would lead them to an aha moment in two, three, four months down the line through their own training. And right. like being in that environment where you get to to work with with people that are much better than you, it's only going to make you better. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. That's awesome. So switching gears a little bit, Sim, you mentioned sanding foils, something that I've been playing around with a whole lot lately. What have you learned? What are you doing? I'm still a, a white belt in sanding my foils. <laughs> 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 like the guys that I talked to and, and like even Greg Stuber, like we're like, okay, sure. are we sanding in the flow of the water? Are we sanding the opposite direction to create the friction? Like... I, I still haven't nerded out on it, but like right before Molokai and, and when we were getting into serious racing, like you'd see like the Andrews and the Edos and their, their wings would be spotless and shiny and just, it would just be super smooth and slick. I'm a believer in it for sure. I'm, but I'm not like signing my foil every single time I go foil, but mm -hmm. I definitely, I don't know if it's like a placebo thing or a mental thing, and, but if you think you're going fast and you're confident, then you're going fast, but yeah. It's definitely feels smoother, takes away all that, those vibrations or those whistlings. And it's just, it just seems to be a little bit more efficient for me this year. This I'm going to be implementing that for sure. And in, in my preparation, but I mean, everything makes sense to me. Cause you know, when, when I was a canoe paddler, guys would polish their canoe and put some Marine polish on the canoe and make it all nice. So it's the surface area was a lot slicker. I mean, I mean, Guys will do that to the bottom of their surfboards too, right? Guys who are serious about speed and competition, they would do that. Um, well, one of the challenges we have here in Hawaii, though, is that like yeah. our foils hit the reef so often that if you want to have a, a true racing foil, you yeah. almost have to have a separate foil yeah. just for that. Because if you're if you're surfing and downwinding on the same foil. Yeah, it it's the the sanding is irrelevant because you've got so many scratches all over your foil and gouges. Like it's it just it's really really difficult to to be able to do that. So it's it's really the top the top guys that are able to have two foils um, that keep one just for racing yeah. um, that are really making a difference. Yeah, yeah, that and it's sense. it's it's yeah our, our foils get so beat up over here, just like Kai said. And I remember Edo telling me too, oh yeah, well, if you do have a gnarly scratch or gouging foil, you got to fill it with epoxy and then you sand it down. Because then you, you think about it, it all makes sense, right? It's kind of altering the yeah. foil section. Well, Kane's got that special pen he's been using. Oh, a pen? Yeah, he's got this special pen that it's like a waxy clay mm. type stuff that he, he goes over all his scratches and then he fine sands it over. So it's like a, it's like a filler. Yeah. It's a filler. Yeah. So that's what he's doing. Get but sooner, yeah, no, I, sooner rather later. <laughs> what about, are you, are you sanding your mass at all? 
Yeah, I'm playing with everything right now to get an idea of of how it all feels different. That's kind of the dive I've been on for the last, I don't know, four to five weeks is understanding like flow and like laminar attachment and what's better at low speeds, what's better at, at higher speeds. And I'm still in the learning phase of it all, but it's been really cool to see how much of a difference that can make. Oh, yeah. What's, what's your, I know everyone has a different... Um, like formula of, oh, I'm going to use 600 grit and then go all the way up. Are you, are you doing like multiple like processes of sanding with different grits of sandpaper? Yeah. Um, I've done it like in increments and tested along the way from 400 up to 3000. Yeah. And yeah, I think there's a point of diminishing returns, but you definitely feel a little slipperier as you get smoother and you maybe right. lose a little bit of the low end. And it's just kind of like where that trade is. So I don't think it's a one size fits all type of thing because I feel like foils that already don't have a whole lot of low end, if they're even slicker, you're going to lose a little bit more of that low end. So maybe that's not the thing, but maybe on something no. like a progression, if that gets a little bit slicker, you've got so much low end. Now you're just kind of like adding some top end to it. And so, you know, just like anything in foiling, I feel like it's, it's so nuanced for rider and gear and conditions and all of it. Yeah. So, so you're saying when you sand it, you're losing, you feel like you're lo losing low end? When it gets really slick, yeah. I feel like I lose a little low end. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Because you, you, like, like, like I said, I'm a sanding white belt, but it sounds, or you would think that if you s completely sand your whole setup and get it all smooth, slick, and efficient, that it would just improve your setup and your riding sensation in every manner but that's interesting my my understanding of it is that you a little bit of turbulence micro turbulence right like kind of creates a little bit more of flow attachment at the lower speeds so probably like a 400 grit is going to have a little bit better low end than like a 3000 grit and then the other thing is and this is what i don't fully understand yet that i'm testing a bunch is like what parts of the foil because like the flow isn't the same around different different parts of the foil so like where maybe maybe like the the thing in the future is you're gonna have like different parts of the foil sanded differently and now i don't even know if any of that makes sense because i feel like you just get a couple nicks on your foil and it probably negates all of Change it right it so uh, you guys are, you guys are getting into it man yeah That's... <laughs> we probably <laughs> half the audience is so stoked right now and half just turned off I, I sand mine with like like 180 to, to take out the burrs. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe some 220. Uh, <laughs> Throw some wax in there. Yeah, I got a, I got a fun exercise. We we did this recently with our with our downwind chat where it was naming the the in order the the not cool or in order of cool and not cool. And let's hear what you have to say. All right. So in downwinding. In the in the number one is cool, number three is is not cool, and they could they're all could be arguably not cool, but in order of, of your thoughts, downwinding with with a wing, foil drive, and e foil. That was it, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was the what was the score? How'd it go? You got the spot. Oh, dude, we have a, everyone had different. Yeah, yeah but we we, we kind of had it final though. We did we did we did have the final. We'll see where 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 you stand next to ours. My guess would be e-foil, wing, foil drive. No. So e-foil e first, wing Last. second, 
Foil drive last. Foil we drive coolest. coolest. Yeah, foil drive coolest. Yeah. E foil the least cool. We, we we went we went foil drive the coolest. E foil second coolest wing left. The, I think, and then but some guys were. But wing some guys were yeah. Some guys were wing, but the foil drive stayed at the top. We weren't we weren't necessarily putting our our stamp on on foil drive but we were saying if, if we had those three to choose that's what we would choose so dude, pretty spot on i want one really bad i just had dominic on the pod it hasn't come out yet but yeah i, I think that's gonna be so fun because i think i'll be downwinding on like my mid-length when it happens yeah. you'll, be, you'll be downwinding on your shortboard like i i went out with with paul recently we did two runs the first run i went on my my four my four three 20 27 liter board and it was hard to get up but once you were up it was it was epic but the problem was i came down in the middle of Montalua bay and the battery died yep, uh, there you go <laughs> i had to paddle for almost two miles back oh. to shore with a foil drive underneath my board with dead arms like a belt rashed like it looked like i freaking got i ate it on asphalt when i came in and my arms were dead and that the whole time you're just thinking like what are the, if if a tiger shark were to go under me would it check me out I was like what are the odds that i've been seen at this point because you're in like the scariest dark and sharky waters and it's oh but so the next day i took a a six Oh, maybe it was, no, I think it was just like a, a five. Yeah, it was, it was a mid-length. Popped up right away. Tons of battery. Made it all the way. No drama. So, yeah, the mid-length, your mid-length is going to be so easy. And then you can work your way down to a small board. So th there's a there's definitely a place for it. But I also came to the conclusion, and, and like granted, I didn't do it that much. But like I had felt as though I probably would have had more fun just on my sub board. So it's if you know how to sup downwind and you've already put in that time to, to, to learn that technique, well, then the foil drive is probably not necessary. But if you're not willing or, or don't have the time or, or just don't, <laughs> you have the money, man, the foil drive will get you going so quickly. But you still got to know the bumps. Like mm -hmm. you still have to have the knowledge of how to actually ride the bumps and, and and preserve battery because you don't want it, your foil drive can only last for so long so it was it was an awesome experience i, I highly recommend it yeah i can't wait to get to feel it i think it's gonna be so sick but i i also agree i don't think it takes i think on the day you're gonna sup i love sup or even like for us runner and that's what the mid-length so what you just said there about that paddle that's where i'm yeah. like frothing on the mid-length stuff is because now we get so many of like the shore runner days where you can go offshore and, and do, you know, what our downwinders, but it's just, do you want to deal with that paddle if you come off foil? And then you kind of safety surf it the whole yeah. way. And I don't feel that way when I've got more float out there because you paddle pretty, that, that was, pretty quick. A, yeah, that's an interesting take because like when I was on my prone with the foil drive, I was fucking ripping turns like on purpose, like, getting the getting the wings out because if you, you came down you just pop right back up yep so that definitely is was some of the bonus and it also gives you like wow it it gives you that much more time to to push things to the next level it, it's kind of a 
parallel to like all these guys that get to tow foil all the time. Like they get so much time on water. They get so much time getting to push the envelope. Whereas like us guys that don't get to tow, like we got to paddle out, paddle. Not trying to take off on six foot waves. Yeah. Yeah. So there is, there is definitely a opportunity to drastically increase your, your skill level by utilizing a foil drive. And that also leads us to to Paul is going to be part of our, our camp and he wants to offer a foil drive component so if people wanted to foil drive during the camp they could pay for a small upgrade and paul will come in and train you on the on the foil drive so that's a pretty cool addition yeah yeah epic to get him involved i I, I think it's exciting because when you think about downwinding and the different styles of downwinding that we've seen from everybody all over Instagram and all the different disciplines, right? It's cool because although it seems like one thing, it's it's pretty versatile, right? We can do prone downwinders on the Kaikos run, have so much fun. Like for us now, because we're comfortable out there, it's basically doing a quick lap in the skate park and hitting different bowls here and there yeah. and having fun, right? Going out on the sup is like kind of like more of a longer adventure, like survival run. And depending who you go with, you're kind of testing your speed and you get into race mode and maybe you're trying to find efficiency and you're just, your approach is different. Sometimes when I go by myself, it's fun. I have my music on and I'm just heart rates real low and I'm surfing and it's, it's fun. It's like a nice peace of mind thing. And then like sometimes maybe this whole, foil drive thing right like the the skill i don't think really is like the foiling part but the skill that you can just add onto your chink of armor is learning how to time it you know Uh, and i think i think that's the other the other layer of stand-up paddling that you have to learn when you're downwind is learning how to stand up but also learning the timing and reading the bump and which is the appropriate one to take off but in the end it's gonna just make you so much more of a well-rounded uh downwind foiler and it's it's it just adds to your experience and it's 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 a new thing to learn and i think for us uh, that's what we're addicted to we're addicted to foiling but it's just being on a constant progression of just learning and achieving little goals and and seeing yourself get better and progress and that's that's what's keeping us healthy young and stoked that sense of adventure did you guys see obviously probably did the video of jason from australia who got hit by the humpback winging yeah 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 unreal he, he he just recorded that'll come out pretty soon here too and i've been thinking about it a lot since that show and downwinding is a unique one i mean the ocean in general is a unique one where you're entering a habitat that is not your own but downwinding is kind of next level to that because you're generally much farther offshore really in the kind of more i don't know uh yeah like the old where they rarely see yeah exactly and and i was thinking about it in context of it's kind of like if you were like a, a runner and you were just running through like the African Sahara or not the Sahara, but like the way they do the safaris. Yeah. Right. You're just like, you're just not supposed to be there. Out in guys, the wild. Yeah. 
How often do you guys think about that? And how often are you guys seeing really big fish? <laughs> I think, I think where there's a the great enough distraction of downwinding and, and focusing on where you're going. So personally, I don't think about it too much. For a, for a while there, when we were doing Hawaii Kai runs, there was this giant whale shark yeah. that we would run into every once in a while. Mostly, when when I go, mostly I see turtles, and you you try not to hit them, obviously, because you go over the over the handlebars. But and I think too, we're just going so fast, or you know, faster than any other vessel on the ocean, that you don't have time to really look around. Because I remember when I was canoe paddling, I would see whales all the time dolphins and every once in a while you see a shark off in the distance because you're probably going six to seven eight miles an hour foiling we're going so much faster and you have just a great distraction of reading the bumps and and focusing in on that that fortunately it's it's not an issue yeah mm -hmm. the, the only time we really think about it is when we come down yeah and, yeah. and then you're like oh <laughs> To get back up yeah i'm sure you saw that video where where we saw that giant shark which we which it started as a, a 12 to 15 foot tiger shark and then it grew to an 18 foot tiger shark and then fox news said it was a great white 20 foot great white shark <laughs> uh, when when we saw that guy we definitely were thinking about it for a little while and then we we kind of figured out that it was a whale shark and it's it's it was a kind of been around a bunch i haven't seen it recently but but we got we got wildlife out here the whales just came back they just been spotted like last week for the first time so they're back but yeah we, we once when you're on foil you don't think about it yeah you you feel relatively safe but if your foil is is singing like the dickens then you think about it a bit <laughs> that's another good reason to stand your foil sand it yeah so they're not singing. yeah yeah uh, spring you guys, you yeah, you guys run into Florida. We do. We see a lot. Spring and fall, like the normal run that we do, is six miles, and you generally see a few shark on the run. They're not generally big, but they they like to cruise in the afternoons for some reason. They like to cruise right at the surface, and so oh. there's a lot of moments where you don't see them coming over a bump, and then they're right there, and you just scare the shit out of each other. And hopefully, you both <laughs> go separate ways. I hit a manta ray winging a couple months ago, and that was pretty scary because the right before I hit it, its fin came up, its, oh, its wow. wing came up and I didn't know what it was and it was huge. And yeah. I was like, oh no. And I was like, I knew I was going right at it. And I kind of like, then I realized it's a manta ray and I kind of like tried to like ollie it, but I still hit it and I landed on his back. Oh God. <laughs> we were both fine, but you know, I was sketchy. Dude, that is sketch. Yeah. Uh, hey, that you guys have had so much success with it with the progression foil congrats on that dude it, it's Thanks, everywhere man. and it's been really it's been really fun to see our crew here take it up and and rip on it too so congrats on all that thanks dude it's it's been so fun to do the project i actually just got in some protos yesterday that i'm frothing to get on and today's just such junks it's not even worth it i don't want to spoil the feel but uh, I, I hope I hope Unifoil is taking care of you, bro. Because I think you you brought their brand to like to from from something to to something way bigger. So yeah. oh, thank you. And if they're not, let me just let me just sell you on my services, my bro. <laughs> <laughs> I need an agent, dude. <laughs> 
God, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm helping the boys here and the girls for that matter. So I have, I have been helping a lot of, because I, I, I've watched a lot of the brands, no, no disrespect to a lot of the brands because a lot of them are new to this as well, but not necessarily valuing the, the impact that these riders are having for their brands and been able to help Jack and Edo and a couple others to really refine their contracts and, and help them get compensated to a level that is actually fair and mutually beneficial. So you need help. I mean, I'm you're, you're a professional at it, but for the other listeners out there, if you, if you guys need help, hit me up. Um, no, that, yeah. that's rad. I think that's really cool too. I've actually been thinking about that a lot in the, in the sport and we're at this, we're at such a strange place right now in the sport too, where it's yeah. still early, but you know, you can see the trend, you can see where things are going and, there's definitely a lot of brands that are much larger than other brands. And so it's asymmetric right now. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's an interesting, as far as the market goes, the, the business aspect of foiling goes, it's a, it's a really interesting place. It is, it is. You, you've got like these big name brands that came out of nowhere, but they had a kiting background you have the OGs in the sport that have really been just like growing as a sport grows. And then you've got like these, these newbies to the, to the plate and all of them have different different depths of pockets and and amount of funds that they're willing to put towards team riders and and you, you it's it's so diverse that sometimes doesn't quite make sense you think oh that brand's making so much money why don't they want to invest in team riders and then you got some oh i've never heard of that brand and and they're they're down to, to pay wow this is <laughs> this is cool so it's it's a it very it's a not not a very congruent across the 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 line of brands. It's all over the place, and I, I think in the in the coming years, it's really going to uh, be interesting to see how valued the team riders are. Because uh, I think I think they're the most important part of the brand is 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 who's riding your your gear, right? That's we in Hawaii when we're when we're looking at what we want to ride. We from a Voyager standpoint, we're like, okay, who's coming in first? Who's winning? Who's winning Molokai? Yeah, who's who's fast, who's yeah. popping up the quickest? Who's who's surfing the best? Like that's that's what I want to ride. Yep. So yeah, no, I, I agree with all that. I feel like the right now with like the the environment of foil where you have it's interesting. So if you look at the surf industry right now, the surf industry just had this huge contraction right like yeah. where the big brands just basically laid off everybody and unless you were top one or two or three guy on a team you probably don't have a contract right now and if you do it's probably not a very good one they like yeah. the gabriel medinas and italos they've got contracts everyone else like it's, it's a scary time in the surf industry boiling i feel like is a very different spot right now because the sport is evolving so fast the only way to showcase that evolution is through team and so we're actually in a really good spot, I feel like, for team riders having some sort of influence, Never. some sort of power position, because it, it's everything's changing so quickly that you could get the right foil out there, not have the right guy on it, and no one's going to know about it. But then you get a mediocre foil, but you've got the right guy, and all of a sudden it looks like the foil. So yeah, it's a powerful position. What's going to be interesting to see is as the sport matures and foils homogenize, if that's going to kind of uh, degrade some of the value of the rider, 
And I hope that mm -hmm. that doesn't happen, but you could see a spot in a few years where all foils look a little bit more the same because everyone's just copies everyone iteratively. And then yeah. you get to a place where it's, you need that one really good rider and then you need the Kiahi. And then that's, that's kind of all you need. And I hope that doesn't happen. What's interesting though, I feel like it's a lot harder to become a good foiler, foiler than it is to become a good surfer. Mm -hmm. So I think, and hopefully riders will always be valued in that sense. And because when you, when you pull up a clip, you know exactly who rips on foil and with their style or the maneuvers that they do or how, how good they look. And, and it's, everyone has like unique style. And so it's, and you know, like I said, it's, it's such a difficult process learning that, you know, I, I hope that riders are appreciated. And then thinking about it, there's, there's so much different disciplines, right? You got winging. Like I have no interest in winging, but I met this kid in France, Cash Berzola. He was like a, a local Maui kid. He's pretty good. I went to his Instagram. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good. I went to his Instagram. He's like thousands and thousands and thousands of followers. I was like, whoa, that was pretty sick. Like I could appreciate that, even though I have no urging desire to wing. Even when you see guys beach start and, and do stuff, so that's another thing in itself. Dock starting. Someone who's ripping on the prone. Someone who's looking really smooth and, and clean and and ripping in a downwind so that and and then you look at guys who are like guys like andrew and edo where they're just so and kane where they're so consistent in getting race results so it's i feel like it's very diverse yeah the market is very diverse and it and it, it's cool to see people just ripping in it in every discipline and like you were saying like where if, if we do have more of a homogenized foil design then it really comes down to company culture right you mm -hmm. look at you look surfboards right like surfboards all kind of they came down to these potato chips but then you had the culture right you had the quicksilver culture you had the yep. the the vulcum culture you had the rusty like everybody you, you tended to lean towards a, a certain vibe like unifoil have its vibe go foil have its vibe <laughs> lift etc every brand even even right now every brand kind of has has its vibe so how would you Go through those real quick. What are the vibes of all the different brands? <laughs> Put it out there. Uh, Unifoil vibe. Um, best foil ever. Like, like you guys are, are like the claim the best foil ever. And uh, it's a very diverse foil. Very handsome bunch of group, yep. right? Led yep. by Josh Koo. Um, and Kyle Maligro. And Kyle Maligro, bro. <laughs> Speedos, baby. Speedo Maligro. <laughs> Maligro. Yeah. He's 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 probably your, your top team rider. Then we've got GoFoil, which is the uncle's foil or the uncle's uncle's foil, red and blue. Just hey, that's like the standard, right? Like most people started on a GoFoil forever. Respect that one. But that's like the uncle's foil. Then you've got uh what F1, F1 crew, just orange crew. These guys are fast. Their uh, their whole goal is to just go as fast as they can, and and but then they rip right. That's what Adam is usually riding. The mm -hmm. the F one is is like stylish, but also down to just go super fast. And then you got the Axis crew, the the red crew. They they are very uniform. They they seem like an army. Yeah, yeah. And and, and I, then Armstrong. 
Armstrong is definitely in the army. Yeah, Armstrong's yeah. army. Yep, the striped army. They are soldiers. Very much soldiers and militant. <laughs> <laughs> lift, lift is just like the. They're the best. It's just <laughs> the best. Or, uh, just like stylish and like beautiful foils made so so. Be- you gotta admit that foils are beautiful. They come so out pretty. of the factory. So yeah, yeah, so that that's that's. I'm sure I'm missing a, a ton of others, but I'm not the I'm not the one to bag on foil. So that would be more like foiled against genre. So yeah, yeah. we need to bring that guy back out or girl. It might be a girl, but like he the the way that that foiled again like drops the memes. Like he comes in hot for two months and then just disappears. I I think he might be in the military or something. Like he's not, he's probably deployed right now because he hasn't really said much for for months. Yeah. We need them back. We need them back. Right. My favorite, my favorite foiled again meme that they did, I think it was the one because I think it was so true. And I was like, going to make a joke about it when you were talking about camps and getting more people into the sport. It was the pyramid scheme of foiling and how you're like <laughs> recruiting people in so you can sell all your old gear. Yeah. <laughs> What's classic is that like we all got into it early over here and then like we got our guys into it. We sold off all our stuff. And now we're like three tiers down now and we're seeing like a foil that I sold one guy that got sold, that got sold, just got sold to another guy. It's like probably four generations down at this point of some Lyft 200 HA, I think. And it just broke. And somehow I heard about it. Like it was my fault that I sold it like two years ago and it broke. (laughs) (laughs) That's rad. Right. It made it that long. The test of, <laughs> test of it, those things are relatively bulletproof. Yeah. Oh my god! Classic. Yeah, our our gear here. It's the the market's flooded now. Like it's a, it's actually hard to get rid of gear. Is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. We've got so much gear on the market. So. Guys are sitting, yeah, trying to sell their stuff on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace, and no one's biting. And it's just because our our gears. It's 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 getting so much better so quickly that, yeah. that everybody wants to ride the best, right? Like it's, it's hard to get rid of season old gear because it's, it's obsolete now. Yeah. Well, and you know what we, it used to, for, for a little while there, it was like, oh, it's better to learn on the older gear because the newer gear is so much harder to ride. And, and that was true, but now yeah. it's easier to learn on some of the newer gear and it's better. And it, so it's, it's, a, it is tougher right now. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, talk. Eric, I, I want to respect your time. Sims probably got to take off soon, but I want to make sure we touched on all the points that you had for us. Is there anything that you wanted us to touch on about Hawaii that we may have missed? The last thing that I wanted to talk about was the last race that y'all just did. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Because I messaged with yeah. Andrew a little bit after that, and I was yeah. blown away by the fact that someone of his, like, athletic ability did a a run at 185 average heart rate that's pushing that's like heart exploding type of stuff right so i just wanted to kind of like go through that race and what were the conditions like i mean how good are those times and what was also really interesting to see and i thought it was awesome that you guys separated it like this on your your timesheets was looking at the difference in times of age groups i mean that's a real thing it's why running it's it seems that the technical ability of the foilers has now somewhat, I don't want to say it's leveled out because there's definitely differences, but to where 
a 30 year old the 20 year old with a with a with the technical ability at the same level as a 30 year old the 20 year old's probably going to win just like it would probably happen in a marathon or something like that so maybe talk through what you guys are noticing in trends of tech technique and physicality and how hard people are pushing and how much of an influence really gear has on those times it, yeah no it's 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 been great a big shout out to john hearn who runs the oahu foil i think it's great to get all these races um, more frequent for us just to give us a lot of good racing experience right there's a lot to learn with with racing your nerves how quickly you're gonna pop up getting your gear dialed getting your nutrition dialed what yeah. you're drinking how you're recovering all that stuff you know? can i ask a question real quick how do you guys start the timing on the run and how are you doing your timing? So we, so like the other day, our race starts at 11 o'clock. We line up off of channel walls, horn goes off, bar up. And then it's just at the mercy of, if you can get up right away, perfect. Okay. If you, if you, then it's, so it's, it's everybody starts at the exact same time, same time. Gotcha. Yeah. And then we all have the same finish line and same finish line. Yeah. So there's a finish starting line and a finish line. And I remember early, earlier in, in the racing days or when we're thinking about how to format our sport into racing if there's okay like um you know if we're going to be super fair and equal because when we would run our prone right so we would have to time it on our watch and everyone would submit their gps time track people would sandbag yeah crickers right 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 <laughs> of course you know, as we as we're shifting or morphing into sup racing, it's just you have to just realize and understand that popping up is a variable of racing that you just you just got to do it right. So if and it's part of your foil choice, part of your foil choice, yeah. right? And I, I, th those are some of the big things that I've learned this past year with all the racing we've done. Is it doesn't really matter how fast you're going in two thirds of the race. But if you can't pop up and you can't pump to the finish line, that's going to like fully alter your placing or your time. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, like I said, it's, it's good for us to, as a local community to iron all these things out, get really uh, comfortable in a racing format. Although I don't think racing at 185 beats per minute is comfortable, but yeah, no. So the conditions this week, it was crazy. Um, you know, John's been trying to put on, and, and that, that's the other thing. It's we we like we're. I feel like we're spoiled here in Hawaii, where we like to have win and race in really good conditions. Whereas I think we've seen like races in Australia. It's like they're racing in light headwind, but they have ground swell, so they're just going for it. it it's hard to put on a race with the conditions in wintertime. The conditions are fickle. One week out, it looks like a raging forecast of. 15 or 25 mile per, per hour winds and then race morning you're like whoa it's kind of maybe blowing 15 miles an hour yeah. and it was light it was overcast so the land wasn't heating up the wind wasn't blowing as strong as it was but we timed it with a good tide and so there was some ocean texture but it was one of those races where um we had to adjust the finish line it, yeah we had to adjust the finish line because it would have been just a death march pumping in offshore conditions oh. but yeah no it, it, it's cool because yeah this racing format or the um, especially in the run that we did it's it was maybe five miles 
it was from, a, I think it was, a, I think it was a, yeah about five miles five long. six miles and the beauty of these of the race director is the guy li- like is fully listening to us asking us what we think and we collectively get to say hey there's no way we're going to be able to make it from Kaiko's beyond you say like, okay well then let's end it at Kaiko's yeah. oh there's the the wind's too bad today we can't do the race today okay let's move it to next weekend so that's been a really it, it's made it really nice for us a bit cushy but the conditions were pretty rough this past weekend which is a testament to andrew i'm not sure if you've seen a picture of him recently but the boy is jacked right yeah. like he's he's training hard and he's in it to win it like yeah. everything like the the dude looks like a, a bodybuilder right now but that 185 heartbeat like that's that's mental you could do that for for that race but that's not something you can really do for a whole guy so i don't know he's 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 in it to win it whereas kane just he just kane just seems like he's just cruising he's just chilling out there he's like just doing turns and and, and (laughs) yeah (laughs) total different approach right still going fast kane won the second race didn't he yeah Yeah. so but yeah no it's it's interesting because this race course it's it's short enough where it can be a sprint so you you can't make any mistakes right you, how, you how far is pop it up probably f- five six miles yeah it was okay. like five or six miles it's usually eight to nine miles but we cut off a large chunk of it because it would have been nearly impossible to do yeah mm-hmm. but yeah like i said it's short enough where it can be a sprint so if it's if you're trying to go as fast as you can obviously no mistakes you got to pop up right away you got to have a relatively straight line you got to be on the right line that was one of the things that i was i called up andrew afterwards and was like oh that was interesting because the conditions were small and normally on a dropping tide the uh, current would be going in the opposite direction on the outside however since the bumps were smaller if you're on an outside line exposed to just the the uh, deeper waters and the ocean the troughs are going to be bigger so theoretically okay would it be faster to be out there going against a one or a two knot current going in the opposite direction but you're dropping into bigger bumps so maybe you're averaging 14 to 16 miles an hour because you have like momentum. more momentum mm-hmm. whereas on the inside it would be kind of like a kind of like a small bay run so small bumps but now you're not hitting current. So, but you're, you don't have any opportunities to go up and over or just really accelerate into that top end where you can start gaining. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of like core strategy going on. Another interesting thing about Andrew, last summer he was on Maui training a lot for Molokai. But we noticed that right before Molokai, he was like super thin, right? He was yeah. like very lean. It was probably just from all the downwind he's been doing and all the physical activity, but he was real lean. But now his approach is, I'm going to get heavier so I can go faster on, on the same foil. Yeah. So he's adding muscle, muscle weight and stuff. But it gets interesting because as you add more muscle, obviously your heart's going to be working a lot harder to pump the blood and oxygenated blood to get muscles to recover right yeah and so i remember in paddling that's what was cool because you could go out and race this guy you're like holy smokes this guy is jacked he's got huge muscles but then you'd go and beat him because he would just gas out but foiling is interesting too because you can either be super intense and go up and over and keep your heart rate really high 
or you can be like Kane and or even Andrew, be super efficient, stand there and recover, bring your heart rate back down. Yeah. And let the foil do do the work. Yeah. We do also have to say Edo wasn't at the race. Edo too. Wasn't there, yeah. So how he would have done, we're not sure. <laughs> but yeah, no, like you said, it's it's interesting having and and it's fair having it being broken up into age categories because yeah, man, I just I'm like dying to try and keep up with Edo and Andrew and all these young guys and they just they just have such a physical attack and approach to their racing and their and their the way that they read their bumps and it's it's like taking all of my experience to kind of like weave through the bumps and connect and keep my speed up just to try and keep up with them. But that's racing. I mean, that's, that's, that's always how it's been. And I imagine if you're able to input your brain deciphering of the ocean into their brain, how much better they'd be. Yeah. But they're going to be there. They're all high level. We all love foiling. We all love downwind foiling. So the fascination is there. It's just going to be just time of, of just getting more and more experience. You know? Yeah. And that's what we want to provide with these cameras. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like Look at that. Get, get and we're back. And we're back. <laughs> yeah. Full we're circle. Back. That was beautiful. So the camps are in June on Oahu for yeah. the full month. So you guys are weekly camps are running four of them. Yeah. Five, five day, five night, four camps, 10, 10 slots in each. It's all inclusive, includes all your food, your transport. If you need gear, we can get gear lined up for you for a small fee. Maybe maybe we can even get it for free if some of these brands sign up. We're not paying for alcohol. Uh, if you want alcohol, you got to pay for that on your own. Um, <laughs> it's not necessarily going to be a party scene. Right? Like we're there to downwind. We're going to be doing yeah. two to three downwinds a day. So it's going to be a lot of food, a lot of nutrition and uh-huh. getting up early, yeah. good recovery and and just like a intense amazing experience that that when you when you're leaving Hawaii or you're leaving the camp, you're just like satiated with knowledge and just feeling really stoked on on where you've come in just a few days. Well, it sounds amazing. I'm sure there's a lot of folks listening that'll be intrigued. And voyagerfoil.com, is that the spot? Voyager Foiler. Yep. Yeah, voyagerfoiler.com. We'll, we're aiming to put that up on launch. Um, yeah, it'll be launched by the time this yeah. gets okay. gets aired. Perfect. Yeah, it's yeah. probably three weeks out. Yeah, so thank you. Right now. When, when do you think this one will come out? Probably about three weeks is my guess. I've got oh, cool. two, two, two ahead of it. So... Dude, you're on, yeah. you're on a tear. I am, you're, dude. You're, our our surf has yeah. been shit. I have been less motivated to foil in the last five weeks than since I started foiling. It's just been cold and gross. And But I have a trip coming up to Costa Rica in a week and a half. So, nice. I saw yeah. Gabe Kling scoring yesterday. Didn't, didn't you guys just get a sick little run of swell? We had one day of swell. Yeah. We had one good surf day. Yeah. But it was preceded by seven days of overcast, 30 mile an hour, like straight on shore. And then oh. Pedig- or Brian and I actually towed a couple days ago. And it was like 50 degrees and offshore at 20 to 25. And normally we're out there for a few oh, hours. God. Like we did each did one run and we're like, let's fucking call it. It's, we never do that. <laughs> it's the first time we've ever done that. So. Hey, we, we, want our, we want our Finchie back, but. You guys, you guys have had them for too long. I'm back over here. You can have them back. We're getting tired of them. 
<laughs> well, right on. Last words. What do you guys want to leave folks with? And thanks again for coming on. I was, it's always good to catch up with y'all. Yeah, no, stoked. Um, thanks for having us, Eric. We appreciate it. Um, it's always great to uh, talk, discuss, brainstorm, and just have a genuine con- conversation with another enthusiast and and someone who's passionate about foiling. We love it. And it's just as wild that how how this sport has connected people from around the world. Like we we have friends now that are uh, on the other side of the world. Like we wake up to to direct messages from from the other side of the planet, and it, it's just it's amazing that this sport has been able to provide that. And we're hoping to put we're hoping to provide a, a nice little opportunity for people to come experience our lifestyle here and in an affordable manner that that is just it's hawaii bro in in, in the middle of summer yeah. it, it's gonna be gorgeous and uh, i hope you get to come so thanks to everybody that's listening stay tuned and hopefully it's not sold out by the time you guys hear this hopefully it is <laughs> hopefully it is that'd be epic but then you have to just do another month yeah for real maybe maybe if, if these camps are successful we want to do one in hood we want to do one everywhere there's wind because this the, the knowledge of the voyagers have within within our little crew our crew keeps growing so more knowledge keeps keeps being built and the more more knowledge we have the easier it's going to get for people to enter this sport i love it voyager's a great brand to to facilitate all this too so good work stoked for you guys man appreciate it eric i right, do much aloha Project Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen.